Well, good morning. Well, that's pretty good. Not bad. Wow, there's a lot of you people in here. That's awesome. Welcome to church. Sometimes we get up here and, you know, we're down here in the front row and then you look up when you get up here like, whoa, oh my gosh. So, hey, um, I want to uh, introduce myself for some of you. My name is Aaron. I am uh, one of the campus pastors here. Uh, Pastor John is on sabbatical for a few more weeks. He's doing great. Uh, Pastor Kelly is doing great. Um, God's doing some amazing things, so keep praying for him. Uh, the staff's doing an amazing job. Um, also, can we give it up for our worship team? Holy moly. Look, whoever put those last two songs together, we should do that every week. I'm just saying, like, that was ridiculous. Um, so, you guys might, well, no, before I get there, let me slow down. Uh, I keep wearing these hats. Everybody keeps asking me about them. Um, and so I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I had something removed off of my head. It's fine. It's no problem. Uh, the truth is uh, I have too many brains and they started coming out. <laughs> we just came up with that joke a little bit. Um, no, I, I had some removed. It's fine. Um, so, hey, a couple of weeks, I'll stop wearing hats. And that'll be great for everybody. Um, also, you might have noticed that uh, we have not really been talking a lot about DNA. DNA is where you can go and learn about who we are, the heart of declaration. And we haven't really been talking about it because we've been doing um, some tweaking and some changing, and, um, and I'm super excited about it. So you're going you're gonna to look for DNA announcements coming in the near future. Um, but here's a couple of things. This is, you still learn the heart and the vision of declaration. You're still going to dig into how God created you for purpose. Um, we're going to explore together how we can make a difference um, working as a church. Um, it's still the pathway to leadership at declaration. And it's still packed full of great information about declaration. Some of the new things are, um, it's going to be hosted once a quarter. Uh, it's going to be three consecutive Wednesday evenings, and we're going to worship, we're going to pray, there's going to be ministry. In fact, um, for those of you who have uh, been to, maybe you did uh, growth track back in the day, or you have already done DNA, I'm telling you, I think everyone in the room is going to want to go to DNA uh, when we roll it out, because it's going to be a phenomenal three, three consecutive Wednesdays in a row of Great information, understanding the why, but also it, you will have an encounter with Jesus. You will have an encounter with the Holy Spirit at DNA. I'm super excited. I cannot wait. So uh, those will be coming soon. Those announcements will be coming soon. We are in a new series starting this week called Red Letters. Um, and essentially we have, so we have a few weeks of special guests coming to uh, share with us. Next week, in fact, you don't want to miss... Um, it is, uh, I just, there it is, Jeff Wells. Jeff Wells from Woods Edge is going to be here. So you, you want to be here next week for sure. Um, and bring your friends. Um, red letters. It's essentially the Gospels. And we've just kind of left it open for anyone. Go into anything that you see in red and teach on that. And so we're going to see what the Holy Spirit has for us in what people are bringing here to share with us. That's, that's exciting for me because I, I just love to see what, what Holy Spirit is going to say. This week, we're going to be in John chapter 6. If you have a Bible, 
uh, please turn there. Um, if you don't have a Bible at all and you would like one, we have Bibles at our response tables. You are welcome. Even in this moment right now, you are welcome to go to the front, to the back, grab a Bible. It is yours um, provided for you. So go to John chapter 6 or you can open up your phone, swipe there. Uh, either way, I just find it difficult to write on the screen and take notes. Uh, yeah, it's a stupid joke. I, listen, they don't get any funnier. This is, this is all you got this morning, okay? So uh, today is going to be a little bit different type of message for me. Um, it's going to be a, a, a lot of scriptures, so I'm going to do a lot of reading. Um, a lot of times I like to get out here and I like to walk back and forth and just kind of share my heart utilizing scripture. But we're going to read a lot today. Um, hopefully we can get through it all. If we can't, that's okay. The next service can join us and then you guys can go have lunch. Thanks. Thanks for laughing. I appreciate that. I don't, I don't mind courtesy laughs. Doesn't bother me at all. They still encourage. Um, what I also like to do, and you can start doing this, like we, if you look at messages and, and how God is speaking from this platform all the time, you can start getting a picture of what he's trying to say to the body, right? So, if, so sometimes we come to Sunday, we hear the message, we go home, maybe we take something, we apply it, come back next week hear the message, and that's kind of where we just repeat, and that's kind of where it ends. I like to go back and look and say, okay, God, what are, you, what are you saying? We're supposed to have the anointing of the sons of Issachar, which is they, they understood the times and the seasons and knew what the, the people of God should devote themselves to. That's what we're supposed to have. And so if we do that within uh, messages, we can begin to see patterns. And this year, um, actually for a while now, but, but um, specifically this year with our last series, Magnificent Obsession, and to include today, um, really what I, what I believe God is saying is we must become radical. Now that's a little weird because in the Bible, there's no such thing as radical Christianity. There's Christianity. There's lukewarm Christianity. And then there's Christianity. But in our lives, I think God's saying, hey, it's time to get extreme. It's time to look at, at our lives and begin to get extreme. And we're going to read a story in John chapter 6. It's one of my favorite passages um, because uh, it is the most extreme sermon that Jesus, I think, that Jesus ever gave. Culturally speaking, it offended everyone there. We'll see. We'll read about it. Our, our story picks up. We're going to start in, in verse 26. And it picks up right after he fed the 5,000. That's key for this first part. So he feeds the 5,000. They had, you know, a couple loaves, a couple fishes. He prays over them and they hand out for 5,000, actually probably closer to 15,000 people because they only counted the men. Um, by the way, that's not, uh, this is side note, this is free. They only counted the men in the Bible, not because uh, women didn't matter. No, no, no. Husband and wives are one. And the kids were part of the family. They counted the men because it was one. But it was probably close to 15,000 people. They all ate plenty and they had leftovers. So for those of you who, when you fix meals for people, when they come over their house, you're like, man, I have too many leftovers. You're just being like Jesus. <laughs> all right. Verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. He just fed the 5,000. Do not labor. This, this labor refers to doing business. 
for the food which perishes. Don't, don't go out and work for the food that perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. Now this word labor, I just want to point this out. Again, going back, crown the year, we, we looked at Hebrews 4.11. And it says, therefore, let's make every effort. Let's do our best. We might say labor or strive to enter that rest so that uh, no one will fall by, will fail by following the same example of disobedience. His rest is found in him. We're supposed to work for him, labor for him, strive for him. Okay. But it's restful. We're going to talk about what this looks like. This, this, whole, this whole message today is what this looks like because they talk about works here in just a minute. It says this, John 6, verse 28. Therefore they said to him, what are we to do so that we do, meaning a work, so that we may accomplish the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work, and this, this work, that word work, refers to a set of tasks that a servant must do. This is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. Our work, our labor is belief, believing. That's, that's the work that we do. We can't go and do anything to earn his grace, to earn his favor. But he says the work that we should do is belief. And belief comes through surrender, laying down. Verse 30, therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Right here, Jesus is actually distinguishing between bread and manna. They had the manna that, that, that came down and they went out and they picked up what they needed for that day. And he was distinguishing, number one, the Hebrew people understood that manna versus bread, bread's way better. Way better. They, they knew what manna was. It was lighter. It was smaller. It came from heaven. It was a miracle, but bread is way better. And he's saying, um, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the father gives me will come to me. I'm sorry. All that the father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the father who sent me that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up on the last day. By the way, that verse, um, that, that's assurance of salvation. If you believe in Jesus, that he is God, that he came to earth, that he was, came to earth as a man, that he lived a sinless life, that he took our place on the cross. It says he became sin, became the world's sin. He became sin for us. He got what we deserved. They killed him. He died. And then he was raised from the dead. And that he ascended into heaven. If you believe that, 
you're going to be in heaven. That's good news. That's really good news. That, we should look at that and go, hey, that's, that's pretty amazing. That's what we do here in the States. That's pretty amazing. Honestly, we should probably run around the room. That's, that's amazing that he says, no, 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 you can know. This is how you know. You just have to believe in me. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. Here's the thing. He gives, he gives a sermon. You're going to see this theory. This theory, this, this theme. That's what I mean, theme. You're going to see this theme. He gives a message. They get offended. He makes it more offensive. They get more offended. He makes it really offensive. And then they leave. I'm getting ahead of myself, but we don't only think of Jesus as being that way, but man, he is. It's pretty, pretty amazing. And the Jews complained about, uh, about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? They're basically saying, who is this dude? Like we watched him grow up. We know his, we know his mom and daddy. And he's saying he came from heaven. That's not right. That can't be right. He, he is, he, this, this message right here that he's giving, he is laying out for the Hebrew people, for the Jews. They understand this because they understand their culture. They understand the Old Testament. They understand the prophecies. He is laying out without any question that he is exactly who he says he is. That's what this whole message is about. We read it. We know the end of the story. And we have our culture. And we don't have their culture. And so we're like, well, of course, that's, you know, that's what he means. But they're sitting there being completely offended. They know a Messiah is coming, but they don't know how he's coming. They don't know that he's coming as a baby and going to grow up. He's going to look like a man, walk like a man, that he is man. And he's God. They don't know that. Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur, do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. No one, I'm going to repeat that, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Right there, I want to stop. Many times, and man, I've been there, many times there's a little bit of arrogance on us we don't think it is. We think it's common sense. Why don't you just believe? Why don't you just do what God said to do? Why, how can you not see it? Jesus is saying right here clearly, only ones that can see it are the ones that the Father brings to me. We're all sitting here following Jesus, loving Jesus, not because of anything we did, but because the Father revealed him to us. We did nothing. Jesus paid it all. He literally paid it all. He has provided everything. So when we look at the world and we see the world getting crazy and we think, oh my gosh, don't you have some common sense? The answer to that is no, they don't. They're the world. We should, we should, not, we should not be, uh, I know it's shocking to see some of the things that we're seeing today that we see on the news but honestly, we shouldn't be shocked. The world's going to be what the world's going to be. They don't know Jesus. How else would they know? They need, we got to pray. We got to pray. If you go back to last week, we got we to make sure we love one another 
so that they will know that Jesus was sent. And we got to pray that the Father would reveal to them who he is. Verse 45, it is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Let's say that again. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. That's, that's a funny statement, by the way. I don't know. It was funny to me. Your, 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 your fathers, your ancestors, they ate that manna that you know that you like, that you like to think about, they're dead. Jesus, where's the, where's, the, where's the compassion? No, they're dead. They died. Yep. I don't know. That's how I read it. Not sure if it. I'm not sure if that translates to you, but to me, that's just funny. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the, for the life of the world. He just amped it up. I'm going to I'm gonna give you the bread, and the bread that I'm going to give you is my flesh. Uh, verse 52, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Verse 53, then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. That's a key phrase that Jesus comes back to later in John. That he is going to abide in us and we're going to abide in him. We're going to re- he's going to remain in us and we're going to remain in him. As the living father sent me and I live because of the father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So he... Is, is there saying, I'm the, I'm the bread of life. And so he's already, he's, he's causing a scene. I came from heaven. No, you didn't. We know your mom. We know, we know your dad. We've seen you. How is this even possible? Okay, um, so I'm gonna give you the bread of life because you asked for it. You said, I, we want that bread. Great, I'm gonna give you that bread. That bread is my flesh. Whoa, 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 what? I'm sorry. Let's just imagine for a second that I stood up here today and I said, look, today, and I'm not Jesus, so you're just going to have to go with me on this. Today, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, you have no idea of this context. You have no idea that, no, 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 I'm just standing up here, and I, I, didn't, I didn't say, hey, how's it going? Welcome to church. I didn't say any of that. I said, hey, today, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. I'm actually going to give it to you, and you have to eat it, and you have to drink it. Now, imagine for a moment that you aren't thinking metaphorically. Y'all are leaving. That's disgusting. They weren't even permitted to, to, to when, they, when they made meat in those days, they weren't even permitted to have the blood remain. They, they, they couldn't eat a steak medium rare. That steak had to be well done. 
Because life is in the blood. It was a command. Why? Because later they were going to be given flesh to eat and blood to drink that was everlasting. So imagine for a moment that you're these people and how offensive this would be. We must consume Jesus. We must. Jesus' own words. I mean, I could stand up here and say, we must eat his flesh and drink his blood. That's still, I mean, that still sounds a little weird to say out loud. We must consume him. And in, uh, in verse 56, it says, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. Um, we're going to take communion here later. It's, it's a, it's, it's an, it's an, it's an act that we're going to engage in because he told us to do it and we're going to have bread and we're going to have juice. They had bread and wine, flesh and blood. The first time eating was introduced in the Bible was Genesis two. God said, you can eat of any fruit in the garden. Don't eat the fruit of the knowledge of, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. what did they do? They ate the fruit. How did sin enter into the world? Through eating. How does everlasting life enter into us? Through eating. Is it physical eating? No. But it's eating. It, we're consuming it. We're putting it inside of us. Proverbs 4 Verses 14 through 17 says this. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they make someone, someone else fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and they drink the wine of violence. Walter Wilson, uh, in his book, A Dictionary of Bible Types, describes eating here um, as the act of appropriating, taking and using, and reveling, which is getting pleasure from, wicked things with all of our heart and our soul. We take things here, the wicked people, they take things and they use them and they get pleasure from them. And it says here, that's eating the bread of wickedness and drinking the wine, the wine of violence. Taking things and using them, consuming them, using them for their for their need. Is this making sense? Okay, for at least a few of you. I saw a couple of heads like this. I can't see a lot. I mean, Damascus must be that way. <clears throat> Thanks. Jeremiah 15, verse 16 says, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Here, in the same book, Walter Wilson says that eating is the act of appropriating. So taking and using the truth of God and making it part of our soul and life. Taking his words and using them, applying them to our lives. In John chapter 6, Jesus is, is basically giving a message of you are what you eat. Y'all remember that when you were a kid, you are what you eat? That's true. That's actually true. That's what Jesus is saying. You are what you eat. That's what Proverbs says. You are what you eat. If you drink the bread of violence, I mean, <laughs> drink the bread. Don't drink bread. Uh, if you eat the bread of violence and drink the wine of violence, uh, you know what it says. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the bread of weaknesses and drink the wine of violence. Yes. You, you become wicked. You are what you eat. If you eat, consume Jesus, we become more like Jesus. One of the ways, one of the ways that we can, 
that we can consume him. 2 Corinthians 3.18, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. That, that verse right there is actually referencing Moses when he would go in and, and speak with God. And then he would come down and the glory would be on him so much that he would have to veil his face so that people could look at him. And Jesus is saying, we all, we have the spirit living inside of us. We can boldly come before the throne. We all with unveiled face, we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We behold the glory of the Lord and it's like a mirror. What does a mirror do? A mirror reflects light. That's what a mirror does, right? So we behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord. It's, we look at the glory of the Lord and it reflects back on us and we are transformed into his same image. P.S. That's true no matter what you behold. You look at wicked things, it's, it's consuming, it's eating. If we really think about this and we think about our culture, and I'm just going to get really real here. Um, and by the way, I'm in this, we're all in this together. Is that okay for me to say we're all in this together? This is like not me pointing any fingers. Point one at you, I got three pointing back at me. You know what I'm saying? Our culture right now is set up for us to consume the world. Don't raise your hand, but how many people here have been just watched TV shows that weren't exactly the chosen? <laughs> what are we doing? Well, we just need some time. Except it's coming. How do things get inside of us? Okay, we can eat them. We see them and we hear them. Out of those three things, TV uses two of them. Two-thirds of us in that moment. And then if you got some popcorn. Um, Two-thirds of those gates are being utilized. And so we have to watch what it is that we watch. We have to watch what it is that we listen to. And we may think, oh, it doesn't do anything. Yes, it does. If, if anything else, it just keeps us from going as far as God wants us to go. If any, at the very minimum, all it does is it, it, it puts up some kind of block there because we're allowing ourselves to consume things. All right. I'm doing good, y'all. Y'all going to get out before lunch. John 6, verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? I would just like to point out, he already knew that answer. What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by my Father. Right here, he's drawing a line in the sand. Some of you don't believe, and you won't, unless the Father grants it. He's, he's, draw, he's drawing a line in the sand, and he's making it pretty distinct. 
And he's saying, some of you don't believe. And you won't unless the Father draws you. And so he's, I was reading a, a commentary written um, um, from the perspective of how the Jewish people would understand this context. Super interesting. It's where a lot of this information came from. And right now, I, it's not for me. I cannot remember the name of it. I didn't write it down, so my apologies. Um, but he was pointing out that one of two things is happening there. A, Jesus is using this analogy of eat my flesh, drink my blood, because number one, it's true. It might just be that simple. He might have used that, that offensive of a message to say this because it's just the closest thing that he could use to make the point that he needed to make. So that's true. And then he also said, but also, it's very probable that he used this analogy to offend them. Jesus was trying to offend them. I've heard it said so, this way, that he, was try, that he was trying to offend their mind to reveal what's in their heart. Jesus was using this, I believe, to also offend them, to see where they would stand on that line that he's drawn in the sand. And I believe it's because he's saying, look, where I'm headed and what I'm going to go do, the only ones that can come, A, the Father has to send them, but B, the only way you're going to make it is if you're all in. Listen to how this ends. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. A lot of times in church culture, we obviously, we want, we want to grow the church. We want more people to come. Yes, we absolutely do. In this moment, Jesus showed exactly how not to grow a church. He ran most of them off. Because he's saying, look, where I'm going, it's going to be difficult. It's, it's, going to, it's going to offend you unless you're all in. You will be offended and you will turn and run unless you're all in. And I need guys who are with me. Till the end. So from that time, this was uh, 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? So I believe this, I don't think Jesus looked at them and said, watch as, you know, his followers leave. And like, yeah, maybe that was too strong. Sometimes we think that. Maybe that was too strong. And then looks at the 12 and goes, so, um, so are y'all going to? Like, I don't think that's what it was. I think Jesus watched them go. He looked at the 12 and said, now's your chance. You in, you out. You can go if you want. I can do this. Me and the Father will do this. But if you're in, let's do this thing. Jesus, I'm sorry, Peter a lot of times we always relate to the Peter that got it wrong, right? Sometimes Peter got it really, really right. Right? Here's one of them. 68. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. What is Peter saying right there? Jesus, listen, what you just threw out is so crazy so ridiculous 
We don't have a clue what you said any more than they do. But here's what we know. When you talk, we come alive. When you speak, we, are, we erupt the, the deep. This is, this is how scripture would say it. The deep in us is, the, the deep in you is calling out to the deep in us and it comes alive. We don't understand, we have no clue what you just meant. But we're here. We're all in. We're not going anywhere. When you speak, you have the words of eternal life. And we've come to believe, we've come to know that you're the son of the living God. How do they know that? They've spent time with him. They know that when he speaks, they come alive. They've seen him do the stuff. They've seen how he treats people. In that moment, Jesus goes through this long message, his sermon, and he offends everybody there. I think in, some, I think in, in, the, in the natural sense, I think he offended the 12 too. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're saying there. We said yes. Man, you really mean eat your flesh? Like, I don't know. I don't know about that. But even though we didn't understand it, we know it's right. That only happens by the Holy Spirit. It only happens by the Holy Spirit. There's a, a, a verse in Philippians uh, 4, verse 7, that talks about the peace that surpasses all understanding. You guys heard that? That Jesus gives us, God gives us the peace that surpasses all understanding. Um, how many of you have ever been in a, in a moment where, I mean, chaos, the world, all the stuff, it's just coming at you. And then maybe you pray. Maybe you just turn your attention to God. Maybe you don't do anything like that and something just overcomes you and there's peace. Circumstances haven't changed, but there's peace. Anybody ever experienced that? And we don't understand in that moment. We have no idea. Well, how, how, did that, how did that happen? Where did that come from? Nothing's changed, but yet it's changed. The peace that surpasses all understanding. I heard someone say this once, that in order to access the peace that surpasses understanding, we must lay down our right, our need, not our right, our need to understand. To access the peace that surpasses understanding, we have to look at it and go, you know what? I don't need to understand right now. I just need to know Jesus is king. He's got it all worked out anyways. He's the one that gave me this life. He's the one that, that knows all of my days. I'm going to walk through whatever he wants me to walk through anyways. I might as well have joy in doing it because we're doing this thing. We're here. Our culture is, it's getting crazy. It's going to get crazier. I look at, I look at where the Lord has had us, you know, from last year all the way through into this year. I think it's just this perfect path. You can go back and look at all the, the series and the messages. Um, but here's what I think. I think this is what God's saying. No, I don't think. This is what God's saying. Um, we must devote ourselves to becoming extreme and following Jesus. And we don't know what that looks like. Because our culture, we are extreme. You're here on a Sunday morning when you could be doing other things. You are being extreme. No, no, no. It's not, it's not, it's not what we know. It's something, it's going to look different. This looked different to them. That's what Jesus was saying. Look, this is going to be different. 
You got to get used to different. Here we are. We must step into being okay with not understanding what God is asking us to do and be okay in doing it. We, we have to. And, and in this time, I think he's saying, look, you, you have to, you must start, start taking steps in your life to consume me, to behold me at all times, to look at me. You must do that because one day, very soon, we're going to need it. And that, at that point, it'll be too late. At night, it won't be too late. Hear, hear me rightly. You can obviously lay it down there. But if we prepare now. So this is, this is not like, hey, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to work out because, you know, I need, I need to get in better shape. This is like boot camp. They work out. Why are they working out? Because someday they're going to need it. Like the day's coming. We're in a war. We, we are in a war where it's not, it's not, I'm not talking about the natural. We're in a, we're in a spiritual war every day, whether you know it or not. And right now we have to train because you train when we are in a war, we are fighting every day, but also we have freedoms. We, we can take steps to be extreme and, and the world not say too much right now. This culture not say too much, but the day is potentially coming. That's not a doomsday message. This is just, hey, this is possible and probable. If you read the end of the book, probable. So right now is the time. So we must consume Jesus. We must. How do we do that? I was laughing this morning. I was praying and I had a moment with Jesus and I was laughing this moment because uh, I was like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, talk to them about how you eat your flesh and drink your blood. That's what, that's what we're going to talk about very briefly. I've got a few more minutes. We're going to go through it and then we're going to take communion. And I was laughing because I'm like, uh, Jesus, I'm about to stand up in front of a bunch of people and explain something that you never explained. Of all the questions that Jesus was asked, he answered three. He didn't explain himself a whole lot, but he said, it's okay. You can do it. So here we go. This is my attempt. And I think he's pleased with it because he smiled. Number one, we must read the word. We must read the word. Second Timothy 2.15 says we must study to show ourselves approved by rightly dividing the word. What does rightly dividing mean? It means applying. Study the word, take the word, use the word. We must use it. It's not that we have head knowledge and know the scriptures. No, no, no. We have to apply it to our life. We must read the word. I use this example every time when I talk about reading scripture. I don't need to know how a salad's nutrients operate in my body for it to help my body. All I, all I know is I need to eat it. I don't need to know and understand all of scripture. I just got to read it. Understanding will come. Knowledge will come. We got to read the word. Number two, we're supposed to pray without ceasing. That means we're supposed to be praying all the time. That doesn't mean we're on our knees and we're, you know, in closed eyes. No, no, no. That means we are aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life at all times. And we are constantly talking to him. And he's utilized a lot as a dove. And I can't remember if I use this example. It's actually from Bill Johnson. He talks about 
if, if I had a dove sitting on my shoulder and I was going to walk around, but I didn't want the dove to fly away, how would I, how would I walk? I would walk with every step taken with the dove in mind. That's, that's praying. That's praying. That's praying without ceasing. That's in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. And then our actions must align with him. And there's, here's just a few. They're not going to be up there. You can take, take notes if you want. John 13, verse 35. We are known to be his disciples if we have love for one another. John 14, 15. If you love me, then obey my commands. John 10, 4. My sheep hear my voice and follow me. Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how do we renew our mind? We consume Jesus. We consume him. We behold him. How do we eat his flesh and drink his blood? We consume ourselves with his word, with prayer and walking, talking like Jesus out of a relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. That's how we consume him. We just, we behold him. We read his word, we pray. And then we make sure our actions align with him. We're gonna take uh, communion corporately here in just a minute. Um, and we're gonna, we're gonna kind of walk through that a little bit. Um, I'm gonna give you directions now and then I'll give you directions later. And I think I will do this better than I did last time. But whatever side of the room you're on, you're going to exit that way. Okay, so you two this way, you two this way. If you're in the middle section, you're gonna go to the back. And if you're in a side section, you're gonna come to the front. And then everyone's gonna return coming the opposite direction. So it's gonna be this big circle. Okay, we'll have ushers to help you as well. <clears throat> Communion here, everyone's invited. Everyone's invited to the table of the Lord, but to come to the table of the Lord, it's all about surrender. We must be surrendered. That's John chapter six. To eat his flesh and drink his blood, you had to be surrendered. By the way, that's the Christian walk. You must be surrendered. What, what does that mean? That means... We don't get to decide. We just get to say yes. That's what that means. God asks us to do something. We say yes. So everyone's invited, but it's about surrender. So here's what I want to do. I want us to pray just briefly. And so close your eyes, bow your heads. If you're in this room and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, you've never given him your life and you want to do that, you can do it right now. It's very simple. And, and I said this last week. I pray this prayer most days of my life. But if that's you, if you've never given, surrendered your life to Christ, pray this prayer. You can say it out loud. You can, you can just, um, you know, you don't have to say it out loud if you don't want to. But pray this prayer. Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. Thank you for taking my place on the cross. Thank you for taking what I deserved so that I could have what you deserve. Right now in this moment, I give my life to you. I lay it down. I don't want to do this my way anymore. I want to do it your way. Help me to walk with you.
Help me to live my life as you have created me to live. Now, if you're here today and you said that prayer for the first time ever in your life, you surrendered your life to Christ, would every eye staying closed, would you raise a hand just so I can see who I'm praying with? And keep it up. If you raise your hand, keep it up. Okay, I'm going to throw this out. If, if for some reason someone didn't raise their hand, that's, that's okay. I'm going to invite you to text the word Jesus to 43,000 so that we can get you some information on next steps. And if, and if, you've, if you've never uh, reached out to us about that and you've given your life to, to Christ in the last couple of weeks or months or however long, text Jesus to 43,000. We just want to get you some next steps so that you know um, what you can do to begin walking and following with Jesus. Hey, thank you so much for checking us out online today. If you need to make a decision about the next steps in your faith journey with Jesus, text CONNECT to 43000. And if you took the first step in your faith journey today by saying yes to Jesus, we want to know about it and we want to walk with you. So text JESUS to 43000. There you will find some resources and a message from Pastor John. There are so many ways to connect to Declaration. Check out declaration.org to find out more about who we are. Before we go, let's say our declaration together. Because of what the gospel has done in and to us, our lives exist to help people encounter and follow Jesus. We will devote ourselves to his word, his presence, and his people. We desire authenticity, intimacy, a heart of service, and to see his kingdom come. We are for Jesus and for people. Hey, have a great week. We're so glad you joined us. Bye for now.